Hello and welcome to the MadeCast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures and interviews on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in a time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. This is Anthony speaking. I'm Miles. And this is Alex. Uh, this is Red, rather. Alex, you'll hear from in just a few minutes because today we have something a little special. We have Alex uh, chatting with two of our oldest volunteers at the Maid, uh, Anders uh Chivel and Chris Wolf. Uh, they're going to talk about their history with the maid and some of their great memories that they have with it and just all the fun things that they remember talking about. They get into a little bit of uh, the PT exhibit that we had on display for a while, uh, some of the other memorable exhibits, <clears throat> and talking to uh, talking about GDC, just a bunch of different memories that we've that they've had with the maid and what it was like. But before that, we need to get into a little bit of news and for something that I don't think Anthony or I are very familiar with. Miles is going to talk to us about some crisis news. So crisis uh, remastered was announced, I think earlier this year or late last year, there was some, there was some announcement about uh, crisis one getting a remaster. And now we've heard that uh, Crisis 2 and 3 are also getting remastered, and it's going to be a package deal uh, that's going to be available later this year, so fall of 2021. So uh, Crisis 2 and 3 is a package deal, or Crisis 1, 2, and 3 is a package deal? Uh, 1, 2, and 3. It's just going to be a whole trilogy. Wow. So... Are they I played different servers? Uh, did it have multiplayer? Oh, see, that's how much I know about Crisis. It might have had multiplayer. I don't remember. I'd never played it. Um, Crisis 1, I think, was by far the best one. And even then, it was kind of the first half that was really enjoyable. Um, Crisis is basically you're a super soldier in a suit of power armor uh, with space powers. Um, Mm. And in the first half of the first game, you're fighting North Koreans who have taken over an island and you have to rescue some hostages. Hmm. Spoilers, then aliens show up. Uh, of course. And the next two games... <laughs> and the next two j- games just go bonkers from there. Uh, you're in New York, and it's post-apocalyptic, and then it's like jungle New York. It's b- wild. Okay. Um, hey, I'm shooting over here. <laughs> <laughs> we got all these vines over here. <laughs> what, what are we going to do with all these vines? <laughs> but no, I have very fond memories of the first one. Uh, I played the second one a couple years ago, and I enjoyed it. It was not as amazing because it wasn't as uh, sort of open-worldy. Okay. Uh, but the Crisis is real claim to fame, and I think why everyone so remember remembers it so well is because it was a graphics hog. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the meme for a long time was, could your computer run Crisis? Yeah. Uh, and and it lives up to their reputation. It is a gorgeous game to this day. Um, mm. Crisis Three was absolutely spectacular to look spectacular to look at, and uh, I'm very interested to see what they do with the remaster. I I know that they're bringing it up to 4K. Um, mm. I don't know what other graphical improvements will be beyond that, uh, and I'm looking forward to finding out. 
Hmm. 4K TV LED Explosion Edition. <laughs> Can your pixel handle all the pixel power of crisis? Pixels on the television, not your phone. That would be insane. I mean, people have ported Doom to uh, literally anything Samsung that has a computer. Refrigerators, <laughs> uh, to home security displays. People got Doom running on a TI-84 calculator, which is pretty sweet. That's pretty good. <clears throat> um, but as far as that, uh, we got Valorant news also as well. Valorant's going to hit a one-year anniversary and uh, with about 14 million players. And we're going to get a phone version coming soon. Soon? How, how soon, you may ask? Soon, soon. TM. Soon it's Riot enough. Games. We'll find out. Yes. Uh, because it, in other news of soon, uh, God of War 4, uh, well, not 4, but God of War Ragnarok uh, got delayed until 2022, which we kind of saw coming. Uh, but I'm glad that they're taking some time with it because if you haven't seen the initial, yeah, if you haven't seen the initial interview or the documentary covering it, uh, the production of the first PS4 God of War. I do recommend it. It is a insight into how crazy developing a game that size can be. Um, but I think it's time for us to move on, and we're going to throw it over to Alex and Anders and Chris for some lovely talks about their time volunteering at The Maid. So here they are. Hello, and welcome back to The Maid's Podcast. This is Alex Handy here, and I've got two of The Maid's oldest volunteers, Anders Scheibel and Chris Wolf. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hey there. Uh, I was just going to let you guys talk about your history at The Maid, how you found it, and uh, where you, what you've enjoyed, what you've done, and, and some of your memories of it. So, like, Chris, you arrived first, so why don't you start? All right. Going first, I... First, got clued in that there was a place uh, with video games in the local area. When I was living in the area, not too far from the maid's first open space, and one of my neighbors in the building who worked in the same building came by and saw, saw me in passing and went, hey, there's this place. They have a bunch of old classic consoles. And I started going there at least once or twice a week. and. OCD started kicking in and just impulsively I started alphabetizing and organizing things on the shelves to make sure A was next to B, Q was next to R, and just uh, almost impulsively, just uh, as a means of organizing things, I started alphabetizing the shelves. And, and the Japanese stuff too. That's right. I, uh, I did spend a year in Japan during, uh, during my time in college, so I started learning Japanese, so I began alphabetizing the uh, all the Japanese games, too. Uh, excellent. Anders? Uh, so, my first encounter with Maid was technically at GDC, I think, 2014? And uh, where they were doing the John Romero uh, Can You Beat John Romero at Doom exhibit? <laughs> uh, which uh, I don't think anybody could. Um, but uh, my first time actually like visiting the maid was uh, when I was searching for 
a logo logo being used by other ocean at the time called that just had like the port like the like what are the, the port like cargo lifts uh from the oakland port Oh. On it with uh, that said "Made in Oakland," so I was searching for that. Oh, oh, the um, uh, things that the AT-ATs from the Star Wars series were were based off. Yeah, or? yeah, 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 yeah. The cranes. Yeah, the cranes. Yeah, and um, so I was looking up uh, that logo, and then I discovered that the maid was about five minutes away from me, <laughs> and it was like Saturday afternoon, and I was like, oh. Okay, I just want to go over and, and see what they're about. And they were actually, it was just after GDC, so they were still like reorganizing and uh, doing stuff. So I just showed up and started helping out that day. You got to put your right to work. Yeah, <laughs> and then I've uh, kind of just been doing odd things ever since from running tournaments to creating exhibits to running the front desk. Uh, so, yeah. why don't you guys uh, tell us some of your me favorite memories? I mean, GDC is a good place to start. What are your, some of your favorite memories of GDC and the, the made exhibits and all the incredible amount of work those exhibits take? <laughs> uh, you want to go first? Uh, but, uh, it's not entirely GDC related. It's largely just uh, peripheral uh, exhibitions. But uh, I do remember uh, like right as the Pacific Coast Brewery was closing down a few years ago, uh, one of the... Uh, staples of the old Oakland area. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they rent just got way too high for a, for a place like Pacific Coast Brewery. But they had like a throwback night to one of their opening nights in the 1980s. So what, what says 80s much more than an NES system. <laughs> so we uh, so, so they reached out to us and uh, in addition to rolling back all their prices on food and drinks all the way back to 1980, 1987. They also brought in some games from 1987, uh, and uh, they reached out to us. We brought over some NES consoles, and people were having fun uh, drinking some pints and uh, playing Super Mario 3. Oh, yeah, they fed us. That was that was a big highlight, the, the free food. <laughs> kind of a, kind of a uh, local local tradition, feeding feeding people who supply you. Yeah, yeah. Hunters? Um, let's see. Uh, I've... Genius stories. I mean... Um, well, I mean, do you remember loading in all the damn televisions? I mean, there's nothing like taking 28-inch solid steel Sony television CRTs and setting them up at GDC. Remember all that work? Yeah, so I think I've done GDC twice for the maid at this point. Um, let's see. The second time I was driving the truck, uh, I brought <laughs> yeah. myself into the... Um, uh, down through the like the, uh, the tunnels the, underneath the convention center, the the, uh, the the underground loading dock. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was really fun to see, like all of uh, the yeah the underground, the tunnels, and just like how there's like this entire like background area to uh, the convention center, the the Moscone Convention Center, Moscone. Convention yeah, yeah, center. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did they make you back up to the loading dock, or did you have to actually drive the truck up onto the loading dock? Because we used to drive the car literally I just a ramp onto the loading it was, dock. It was crazy. We had to actually drive it onto the floor. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because um, 
yeah, that's just like how they had to unload it at the time. So it was like had to go through the tunnels and then into this big open door that is normally closed because you're not supposed to see that like giant like uh, just loop for all the cars and drove the truck right onto the like floor, unloaded it, and then backed it out and. Uh, yeah, and uh, we should probably take a second to explain people. Yeah. We're talking about the Game Developers Conference, which, why were you at the Game Developers Conference the first time before you met us, Anders? Oh, I was a uh, computer science game design major, so I was there just giving my resumes out because I was living in Oakland, so it was only like uh, BART right away. And uh, UC Santa Cruz, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we love that program. Uh, and... Wolf, you, when you, <laughs> talk about your background for a second, when you were in Japan for that year, you studied a few interesting things, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. I, uh, uh, it was always a dream of mine, like most anime nerds, to actually go to Japan, but uh, I made it a point not to go over there just for the sake of uh, learning about games and anime. Like, I wanted to know the language, the history, the art, the culture, like, the, uh, the, the stuff behind the... The, uh, the the fads of what's popular this year. I wanted like the more nuanced and longer lasting study related matters. But uh, like I went over there. Uh, but uh, the the big huge thing that uh, I really got a big kick out of was uh, like the uh, not only going uh, to to the metro areas like Nagoya, Osaka, and of course all the different wards of Tokyo, but also going up through, like taking local trains up to the mountains and in the country, and uh, just uh, seeing, uh, seeing all the, uh, the, the Japan that the foreigners usually don't, uh, don't happen to see that often. Nice, it sounds like quite an adventure. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of adventures, I'm just trying to think of some memories I had of the both of you. I remember specifically, Wolf, you uh, wearing your waiter's outfits to serve drinks at various events. Yeah. Always bartender. And <laughs> Anders, you guys, you in the fighting tournaments you mentioned there, absolutely, like that, and, and running the front desk. I, do you have any interesting stories of people coming in and, and seeing the place for the first time? Um, <laughs> I mean, people are usually just flabbergasted see that the place exists and like our huge collection of games I mean I've had weird guests at times like uh, one time I had a guy coming off the street and just was like super hyped for everything that was in there and then well let's just say he was uh, more excited than a person normally should be (laughs) (laughs) having a little manic episode maybe uh, or, you know, it was late at night. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Had to squirt that gentleman out. Uh, <laughs> Fortunately. Pro- pro- probably uh, t- too excited for anyone's good, especially his own. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's difficult. I know. It's, it's always interesting when you open the doors to the streets of a city, you see who, who walks in. Uh, we were just talking about the center for the warriors uh, showing up and, and running out real quick, just looking. <laughs> he had to duck just to get in, in the door, but... Uh, don't you? Do you? Uh, do you have any memories of maybe bringing somebody to the museum for the first time and just walking them through? And I, uh, I did actually uh, bring uh, br- bring someone into the museum, and uh, I think it might have been a might have been a college friend of mine, and uh, he. Uh, I, I told him about this place uh, several times, and he was very very interested in coming by and seeing it 
and he has he had a uh, a background in uh, theater uh, techniques, like oh, uh, stage uh, stage technic technic work. And uh, the the thing about tech workers, especially theater tech workers, they are just the biggest nerds you could possibly imagine. No, oh, of course. And uh, bringing him to this place with almost every video game under the sun, he almost immediately, almost the first words out of his wor his mouth were, "What is this magical wonderland?" <laughs> that's a that's the uh, the reaction that we we enjoy most, I think. Yeah. Uh, Anders, what was the tournament you mentioned before? What was the first tournament we ran? Was that Smash or was that Street Fighter V? Or uh, I'm not sure. I was there for really the first tournament. Um, I mostly remember running. Uh, I believe it was Smash tournaments, mostly uh, Melee and Four, uh, which is the one from the Wii U. Yeah, those were uh, always huge. The the Melee. Oh yeah, melee definitely spiraled into a pretty big scene. Uh, it was very consistently, yeah. People came by a lot for that one. We had um, like side tournaments for even like uh, the bigger tournament, like Genesis, which is oh when Plup showed up, right? Yeah, like we would host the Smash uh, melee side tournament for yeah Genesis, or I think we, actually no, I think that one was maybe Project M because it's a mod, and so they didn't. And no, that Nintendo was, has problems with that. That was uh, so. Yes, but either way, Plup came in and just rolled the entire floor. Like there was no competition that night. But everybody, everybody wanted to play against him, right? Like, I I remember something uh, happening. A uh, little anecdote story with the uh, Smash crowd. Uh, I think one of the younger players. Uh, they were asking about uh, uh, playing the earliest Smash game. Uh huh. And they, they didn't realize that there was a Smash Brothers game for the Nintendo 64. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they, they thought that Smash was almost exclusively a GameCube title. I, I, I remember there were some kids that... There was one kid, at least, that he was not old enough to have even been alive when Melee shipped. But he showed up, and he was, like, really excited to play and meet all the guys, and they were very welcoming. They were always a, it's always a really good group, the Smash players. They're not... Yeah. Despite beating the crap out of each other in a video game, they're very nice people. They're not very. Yeah. <laughs> they're not so. There was a there was a there was a web comic somewhere uh, where it was demonstrating the difference between uh, two different groups of people: the Sony and Xbox folks who wait outside in line for hours at a time, and the Sony and Xbox ones are like, "Back of the line, we were, we were here first. Uh, or they were like, they're all sold out, get lost. Yeah. And the GameCube ones who waited outside uh, for hours at a time were like, uh, we're so sorry, they're all out. Can, uh, can, can we give you a hug? Can, you, <laughs> can, can we help make you feel better? It's a totally different community. I, and, and the thing that seems so rare in that community actually is the controllers. Do they make new ones yet, finally? Do they, are they I, making GameCube controllers? I think again? every time they release a Smash Brothers game, they make a new controller. Uh, or, yeah, they re-release it. I'm not sure if they consistently make them in Japan. Because, like, I remember for a couple years, there was, like, you could always import a Japanese Nintendo controller that was specifically made for Smash Brothers. That I think even had, like, the longer cables. Wow. And, yeah. yeah, it was white and had the logo on it. And it was, yeah, specifically made for Smash Brothers for years. And it's phenomenal that that's the game that really became the most popular. You would think something like a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat was 
would create the community, but I guess it makes sense. Nintendo's really good at creating communities, whether through that or, or you know, Pokemon Go, or those games just endear people to them. I think uh, I think uh, the har- the more hardcore game fighting games, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, they tend to have a bigger following for the cabinet versions, like the arcade yeah. versions. But uh, as far as consoles go, Smash definitely is the uh, title holder for that crowd. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a lot of just the fact that it is a bunch of Nintendo characters, and now also like every other video game character <laughs> yes, um, being Sonic. added in that uh, makes it so popular because if you find like I think a lot of the other fighting games that are really uh, broken through to a, a larger s- scale are the ones that have like Marvel characters or DC characters or uh, Dragon Ball Z characters like Dragon Ball Fighters was a huge like crossover hit within all the fighting game communities huh. like you'd see Smash players uh, Street Fighter players, Marble 3 players, all oh, coming and playing that game. Oh, yeah, well, we should have done we're, that. We're, weird uh, weird spitball idea, but uh, introducing uh, uh, the cast of characters from the Danganronpa series into a, into a fighting fighting game. Well, I mean, th- now you're going into anime, and I'm going to have to step back. If you want to talk about anime, <laughs> go right ahead, but you know I, I have to check out on that discussion. I know. Well, close to almost what Blaze Blue cl- uh, Cross Tag Battle was. They actually had characters from, like, Ruby and Blaze Blue and some other crazy ones like there's just this one character that's just like a tank with a skull on it and I'm like <laughs> constantly confused by that existence of that character but then again there's also just like uh, Tatsunoku versus Capcom which just features a giant gold, golden golem <laughs> is that guy in Street Fighter? Uh, the uh, no because he's a Tatsunoku character oh okay I'm thinking like, of that the, big mummy guy yeah because like the alternate Capcom character that was like these were both like you chose them and only played as them. The alternate one for Capcom was actually the exosuit from Lost Planet, ah. because Capcom still cared about that at the time. Well, <laughs> you know, I think that didn't they make it Lost Planet three or something? More yeah, they've they've gone up through three, but it's hasn't really been an enduring franchise. Mm. Hmm. No, certainly no Mega Man. I don't think anybody would argue against that. But uh, they've been putting out those Resident Evils again. Have you played yeah. any Resident Evils? I've watched all the way through eight because it's just not the kind of game I like to play. Wolf? Uh, I, I did recently uh, kind of uh, go back and get uh, RE4, but... Uh, yeah, that's the best one, I think. Yeah, it, it, it was the one that first introduced me to uh, uh, the Resident Evil series. Mm. I kind of uh, backtracked a little bit from 4 to the remake to Veronica X, but uh, after 5, it kind of got a little too action movie rather than thrills and chills horror mm-hmm. yeah they, they kind of brought that back to seven and that's like seven is actually i think considered to be the most intense horror uh resident evil game mm-hmm. like it's uh, actually so intense a lot of fans didn't play it because it leans so heavily into horror because it's pure first person it's very claustrophobic mm. you're mostly just running around like it it has a lot more to do like, it's way more inspired by, like, P.T. Yeah. Or, um, uh, what's the... Silent Hill? Mm. Not quite Silent oh, Hill. Amnesia? The, the, the amnesia, the Dark Descent. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But uh, from the videos that I've seen, like, this, you're in a garage and there's some a zombie in a car and, like, you can't get away from it and it's just a tiny room. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, there's just a scene in the Seven where, yeah, like, the... You're in this, like... Well, the entire premise of Seven is that you're stuck in a 
uh, house with this insane like uh, zombie family or something. <laughs> and kind so of then, a, kind of sounds like it's uh, taking some strings from uh, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, it, it's also very inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The hills have eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so then there's one scene where the father of the family is just like driving a car at you, but you're just stuck in like a garage. So he's just like spinning this car around in circles, <laughs> trying to hit you with it. That's just the, like one of the most ridiculous uh, Resident Evil moments I've ever seen, but also like horribly terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, zombies should not drive. I think everybody agrees on that. Yeah. So you can't let zombies drive. You know, gotta, gotta, gotta take away their license as soon as they start growling and snarling. Yeah, I mean, one, you know, hands at 10 and 2 means those hands have to be attached to your body, please. Right. Yeah, so, uh, we did an exhibit with PT, remember? We set that up with Tyler? I don't think I was there for that one. Uh, we built with the monolith. Remember the big monolith that was built? Oh, yeah. And then... That, uh, we, that, that, that big, giant uh, 2001 slab? Yeah, and we uh, put the PT in there and put a, strung a curtain around it so when you were playing PT, it would be in the dark. Hmm. But, you know, I think we still have a hard drive with it somewhere. <laughs> almost, uh, almost undoubtedly. That game made a way bigger splash when they pulled it and got rid of it than it did, like, as a new game, I feel like. How to how to make your game a bestseller? Tell players they can't have it. Right? Then they should. Are they bringing that back or something right now? Or I I, I haven't heard anything. Oh well, I, I'm so far out of the loop on the game stuff. I need. I this. mean, eight actually. Yeah, I was watching eight, and it actually features a scene that looks like it's just straight up ripped from PT. Wow. <laughs> They're like, there's like an entire level that's just like it feels like they played PT and it's like, well, just make that a level in our game. Nice. <laughs> nice. Just, uh, just just the repeating house over and over. Again. Yeah, it's kind of got like it's like there's this like dollhouse with all these corridors and this screaming like deformed fetus running at you oh. <laughs> it's lovely oh god so uh, so, so now they're taking a, a page from a racer head yeah. yeah oh god yeah no that you probably noticed that photo on the way in the house huh <laughs> uh, yeah so this is why i rely on you guys because i have no idea what's going on and you guys are always up to date and know the the absolute most important stuff uh that is, is going on in the uh industry it's nice to have you your expertise I'm just uh, I'm just repeating what I've overheard in passing. Well, I mean that's kind of what information d- is about, you know. I'm, I I didn't <laughs> I didn't play PT. I rely on what y'all tell me, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, I wanted to thank you both for all your extended service all these years. It's just been uh, it's been ups and downs, but it wouldn't be here without your hard work. So thank you guys. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It also uh, e- even just uh, just just volunteering there. It's. Uh, it teaches you uh, amazing skills later on, uh, public speaking, uh, formulating lesson plans, uh, teaching courses. There's a lot of skills you learn. Absolutely. You've got that whole uh, timeline of uh, the history of games that you've been working on. And that's, I mean, working on that for years now, but we're really going to actually implement that I, on the wall, you know. I mean, I, I mean, at this point, I've probably uh, written enough of that thing to publish, publish it. Well, go ahead. <laughs> why, uh, why not? Maybe you should. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's all the time we have. So thanks so much, guys. Of course. Thank you. And we're back, 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 back again, again, again. <laughs> Made his back, 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 back yes. again. Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> I gotta tr- change it up a little bit. See if it gets left in. Nope. So, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Chris and Anders, for this lovely interview. It was great to hear about 
all the stories about history of the maid and oh man i i also remember having to organize and alphabetize just the thousands of game cases on our walls we had like bookshelves of game cases and then it it would be funny because we would have them organized and then you'd pull the front row off and then there's a whole another row behind them of just more game cases of games that we have and the massive binders uh hopefully soon enough we will be open again and we'll be able to showcase everything to all of you and we'll also uh i do want to say if you guys also want to volunteer please also do another like shoot an email at info at the org. uh we would also always love more volunteers just ask tell us what you're good at and what you think you might be able to do and we'll see if what we can do for you mm-hmm. but we also want to talk about what we have been playing recently anything new that's been going on uh well i've been playing uh i think i talked about this last week i've been playing deus ex oh uh, uh human revolution which came out in 2012 mm-hmm. and it's funny thinking about it now but it's basically cyberpunk before cyberpunk was cyberpunk yep uh it's it's all about uh uh robot people and and sort of human computer interfaces and hacking and stealth and uh lots of gunplay uh a bit much for a stealth game for me i think i consider deus ex a stealth game but it it very leans heavily into hey you have to fight things sometimes yeah I mean, it, it works out to some benefit sometimes, but it is a bit rough when a stealth game does go kind of gun heavy. Mm-hmm. But no, it's fun. I like the story. I like the character. Awesome. It's the. Did you play a? Uh, did you play a Deus Ex? Uh, the original one. Uh, yes. No, and I'm going to go back to it at some point because, uh, I my impression is that this game is leaning very heavily on sort of the story and uh, mechanics of that game. Like it's going to be streamlined for, for a, for a new generation, but um, I'm interested to see sort of what carries over between the two games. Mm, okay. All right. It's a, it was an intro to the new upgraded generation and mm-hmm. I still can't believe that. I remember the commercials for that game and now it's, it's been almost nine years since yeah. its release. My how time flies. Uh, I really I haven't been playing much recently. I've been thinking about playing a lot of games. Uh, I have a flight to go on to. I'm probably going to pick up a Switch and Breath of the Wild and Monster Hunter Rise and connect my Hades account to my Switch once I get it. So we'll we'll see. I'll, I'll report back once I start playing something else in the future. Speak, but speaking of mobile, I've been playing more mobile games. Um, PlayStation Vita. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been playing the uh, the Uncharted Golden Abyss game. Uh, it's sort of um, one of the flagship titles for the PS Vita. Um, How is it? How does it compare to like the um, a typical Uncharted experience? Um, they the developers they really um, utilize the PS Vita's um, touch uh, touch screen mechanics as well as the back. Um, the back touch sensor so a lot of mm. commands you have to sort of swipe like in the diagonal direction or up 
like when you're fighting a guy you have to dodge him so you swipe on your screen to dodge and hmm. they they utilize the mechanics of that really well um but yeah it's it's sort of like an uncharted experience on on a handheld which is it feels great interesting awesome I, I loved the stories in Uncharted were kind of how I wanted every Uncharted is how I wanted every single uh, Indiana Jones game to turn out like just the mystery, the ancient, you, you know, magic conspiracies of ancient like like Atlantis type stuff and El Dorado, all these mythical places and all these old stories. I love it. Uncharted is a fantastic game. Well, we'll see because we are getting a Indiana Jones game at some point. Remember they teased it uh, yes. late last year. The, but that one, this is the one where they uh, they've like taken pages. It's like, well, Tomb Raider is going well, and so is everything else. So I'm looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. V- oh, I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be good. Well, I, but I also knowing games can't keep my hopes up too high. <laughs> But I think it's okay. All right. But I think it's time for us to get out of here. Unfortunately, we want to keep talking to y'all, but we have time constraints and schedules and other things to go do. Um, We want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you've got any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the maid afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. Till then, I'm Anthony. I'm Red. And I'm Miles. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. See you next time. See ya. Later, gamers.